Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here from the Santa Monica Studios. It's major season, so the heavy hitters are all here and accounted for. Joined now again by Tennis Channel's outstanding journalist, works for 60 Minutes, executive editor for SI, has been there for, I think, over 25 years now. So don't want to date yourself a little too much, but John Wertheim back again on the show. Facts are accurate. <laughs> oh, wow. Hear, hearing that is depressing. But uh, no, good to be here. How are you? I, I want to start with something light because you, you piqued a lot of interest with uh, Twitter, and I noticed your avatar is the movie Breaking Away. Oh, man. And you had the refund uh, scene retweeted the other day. So it's hard to dig up info on you. I know you kind of keep that the way you like it. But back in my heyday of, of being a sports movie junkie, Breaking Away, you know, as, a, as someone that studied the classics, was high on that list. So Got to give you depth. I know the Indiana roots are strong there. Did not have breaking away in my uh, bingo card of topics, but I will have you know that the filmmakers, this was filmed in my hometown mm-hmm. of uh, Bloomington, Indiana, and the filmmakers said for everyone in the stands, they would make a contribution to the university. So oh. I actually, I was ah. in the stands for Dave Stoller's heroic race at the 19-whatever-it-was, yeah. 81 Little 500. I don't think I'm being bold by saying it's the best cycling great movie. movie ever. Yeah, it's great just... Best cycling movie. Yeah. Best, uh, I don't think I'm being bold saying it's the best cycling movie ever. Like, you just can't beat it, and it's kind of... sleeper. I'll tell you something yeah. else. It really holds up. It's 40 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. Breaking, breaking away for all the uh, younger set out there. It, it really holds up. Great, I'm s- great film. I'm still itching for a tennis movie that's tennis-driven like that, that's not like a historical piece that right. captures the action, but no, it was good. I I had to mention that right. as we get into the Australian Open, the more things do change, and they are, which we'll get to, but the more things are staying the same. We, we have to start with the men's semifinals tonight. Novak Djokovic back into the semis, looking like a pretty good bet to make the final and then hoist the trophy. He's gone through Dimonau and Rublev now. It's, uh, I think, 18 straight top 10 victories on the continent of Australia. And I just have to ask you, as someone that's been around the game for so long and his career through its entirety, the question is just simple. It's like, how is it possible this guy continues to widen the gap between him and the field at age 35? I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. I would even go beyond tennis. I mean, he is playing as well as ever. And again, you, you mm-hmm. timestamp this. So I'm mm-hmm. basing this on the last six, six seven sets mm-hmm. he's played. I don't know if I've, he's ever played better. Some of that's statistical. Some of that's the eye test. I mean, he's, he's 35 years old. I think... Look, he does an extraordinary job keeping himself in shape. He's mastered the mental side of tennis. The court surface is to his liking. The distraction of last year seems to be, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot breaking right. But just from a precise tennis standpoint, the idea that he is going to be 36 years old in a few months and is not only not declining, <laughs> but I would say, I mean, he just, you know, he beat the number <laughs> player in the world like he was a junior the other day I, it's extraordinary and I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it we've seen players yeah. as they've gotten on play a great match you know so Serena had a U.S. Open semi-match in 
2019 when she looked untouchable. Mm-hmm. But then she sort of reverted to form in the yeah. final. Um, it would be, I mean, I cannot see a scenario. I don't know, can you? I can't see a no. scenario in which Djokovic doesn't win this event. I was thinking that we can kind of get to this, that Tsitsipas has given him tighter matches, and it's a tall task, but it's maybe not an impossible task, which you could say for some of the other guys. What strikes me as a fan of all sports is that it's the cliche of athletes get older, they get smarter, but they lose, they diminish their skills. So they make up with it with their mind and they still can perform, but they're losing some of their physical gifts. He's like the one guy, and maybe it is outside of tennis and all sports where he's gaining with his mind, but the gifts don't seem to be diminishing. So he's actually getting another, exactly. I guess, superpower. Yeah, usually there's this trade-off. Yeah. You have sort of experience for the spring of youth. Yeah. And Andy Roddick said, you know, my, my arm got, uh, my, my, I didn't have the live arm at 30 yeah. that I had at 20, but I did have a head. I mean, with him, and we can talk about why, is this the fact that he's made, whatever it is, $165 million in prize mm-hmm. money alone, which has enabled him to invest in biomechanics? Is it the fact that he's had these breaks? Mm-hmm. Even last season, on account of COVID protocol, he yeah. got to take a lot of time off. I and mean, we can sort of ask why, but I think, yeah, physically, you you've it's you don't see an athlete. Yeah. I mean, he won this thing for the first time, what was it, you know, 15 years ago? Yeah, 2008. He, he uh, you know, to get these breaks, too, and you can go to Federer and Serena, you have to be performing to keep your ranking up. So the fact right. that he's going to be number one in the world if he wins this thing and is able to take time off is just startling. I don't know that, and I know he said all the right things in terms of this is a new year, last year is in the past. It's not what I would call a vengeance tour or a, uh, you know, animosity tour, but the added motivation might've been something that, you know, it was just something to file away and, and, you know, not like the field wants to see him more motivated, but you got to think that that's driving him a little bit. Yeah. I think he's, I mean, you know, I mean, as, as we say this Twitter and, you know, the chatter is all about his, his yeah, father and yeah. we, I don't know if you want to get into that. I mean, so we do have a bit of a wrinkle, but yeah, up until this incident, with his father, I thought he'd handled it really well where his tennis had been spectacular. Mm-hmm. He was very down the middle and sort yeah. of had this charm offensive. But there were a couple of little gives, a couple of little tells mm-hmm. that, yeah, he's still pissed off about last year and it's motivating. And we saw with, with Alex Dimonor how mm-hmm. some of the remarks he made a year ago stuck in Novak's craw. And it's been this really nice balance of, on the one hand, I'm not going to seem like a guy with a grudge and I'm not right. angry and I love Australia and I'm happy yeah. with the fan support, but he remembers and sort of, right. he's, he's really sort of parsed that I think quite well up until now. And and just quickly, cause you mentioned it, the stuff with Djokovic father, I, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I don't want to penalize the player for something a relative did without knowing more and knowing more of this stuff. I know that it's not good optics at it's the very not least. Good optics. And so. It's sort of, I mean, to me, it's kind of the real if, if someone's, you know, people on the outside, casual fans, so yeah. they all think Jovac is, this, they all think Novak is this villain mm. and this, this professional wrestling heel. And I sort of have to say, no, 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 not a bad guy. <laughs> In fact, probably a good guy. Yeah. There is just a level of sloppiness with optics yeah. that is so at odds with this tennis, with this so precise, but mm-hmm. also, you know, realistically, if, if people say, well, it's not a story. It's, and I'm thinking, you know what, if, if Richard Williams, if Earl Woods, if Federer's yeah. parents, if they were posing next mm-hmm. to protesters wearing band apparel, talking about an illegal war, you'd kind of mm. be expected to ask the player about that and where do you stand? And it's just another sort of example of, uh, you know, again, I don't think Novak's nefarious. I don't no. think he's the pro wrestling heel that the guy on the street does. But you're also like, 
can't you tidy things up so this uh, doesn't happen? Yeah, very very unfortunate to say the least. Uh, we can leave it there. Uh, the last thing with Novak, and it's the only minor thing, is it kind of opened the discussion of you know, the old injury debate where he says he's hurt and it looked like he was hurt early in the, in the tournament. It, he's gotten some minor flack for how hurt really was this guy if he's dominating the field. But I, I think there is that middle ground like you talked about on TC Live and beyond that it's you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? You're either disingenuous or you're faking an injury. And also, it's, it's an injury, which is not something that athletes necessarily have, you know, I mean, they don't know a lot yeah. of times. We saw it with Taylor Fritz in, in Breakpoint's a great example. I mean, it's not even like, here's my political stance or here's... <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, athletes have discovered, I mean, they genuinely don't know how their body's going to react and something they don't think is particularly serious. I mean, Nick Kyrgios played an exhibition on the eve of the tournament and then revealed he needed knee surgery. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think if, if athletes don't say anything and they high wrote it and I'm fine, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And then you find out they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, Roger Federer very rarely talked about his injuries. But then later it's like, well. It's like Rafa hey, is similar too. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And the flip side is if, they, if athletes are honest and say, yeah, I've got a twinge in my hamstring. Everyone says, oh, you're a drama queen. I think. Yeah. We all ought to uh, wide, wide berth. Yeah, and it, it could, you know, you, you run the risk of it sounding like a built-in excuse. And I think, yeah, just we could see that he was a little compromised. He's moving fine right. now. It's it's great. He plays Tommy Paul in the semifinal. What a run by the American. Gets to his first major semifinal. Uh, kind of leading the charge on what the Americans did down under. But Tommy Paul's story is so, I, I will say it, inspiring. Because this was a guy who had all these gifts. Junior Roland Garros champion. Struggled openly with his maturity, with his effort, with his willing to work, got right, still mid-20s, found his game, found his attitude, and it's just great to see that hard work can pay off in in such a grueling sport. He is such a nice player, such a good athlete, and I think he's been very, I mean, I think now now it's an open (laughs) secret, but there was an issue with the U.S. Open and showing up for a doubles match, not in position to play doubles, and that you know, I, I think it was embarrassing. It also sort of put him on the outs with the USTA for a while. Mm-hmm. And he's put that all behind him. And he's mm-hmm. very upfront and said, look, you know, I, I matured and evolved. And I'm in a different place now than I was when I was a junior. And he came up with with Francis and with Taylor Fritz and with Riley Opelka. And he wasn't seven feet tall. And he didn't mm-hmm. have Francis's backstory. And he didn't have Taylor Fritz's sort of rise into the top mm-hmm. ten. But he's really made his mark as a tennis player. And... This is a big. This is a big result for him. This match against Novak will be a big barometer. But no, I mean Tommy Paul is a very nice tennis player, and it's only going to get better. He beat different types of players too. He answered different tests. RBA is out there a while. Jensen Brooksby. There's nobody in tennis like that guy. So to keep going and the work he's done with Brad Stein, they've been pretty open about the fact that you know Stein working with Jim Courier has been around champions before. I think. It's another good motion for the, another good point to reinforce the stability factor. Tiafo, Fritz, and now Tommy Paul, stable camps, stable voices, taking the long approach. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day as much as we'd want it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a really good point that uh, Francis and Wayne Ferreira have had Mm -hmm. a nice run and and Taylor with down here in Southern Mm -hmm. California with Paul Mm -hmm. Anacone and... You know, I mean, it it's varies player to player. Some players yeah. need fresh voices, and some players need to shake things up. But if you look at, you know, even you know, Roger, Rafa, no, yeah. like they, they did not cycle coaches in and out. And mm-hmm. the fact that um, these players, these young Americans, have actually had longstanding relationships, I think, is a really good sign. 
you think this American, I guess, surge, you know, reinvigoration, however we want to call it, there's three quarter finalists. There's a ton of players that made moves. There's going to be 10 players in the top 50 when the new rankings come out. Does this feel like a moment having been around, been around the game, been around the ups and downs, a lot of downs of American men's tennis? So, I mean, I think if, if you're inside tennis, like, mm-hmm. like you are, yeah. and you know how relentlessly global this sport is, and you know that every country has a federation that's trying to find champions, and 10 players in the top 50 for a global sport is really an achievement. You know, mm-hmm. I know some of them had more connection to the USTA than others, and some of them had more funding, and they arrived at different ways. Only one yeah. of them, John Isner, is over 30. The, the question to me is sort of the casual fan I deal with or my wife, is there a major champion in <laughs> That's there? That's it, yeah. And what would you rather have? One one Alcaraz? And I don't know the answer. I mean, it's a good yeah. sort of thought. It's a good barroom conversation. One well, Alcaraz or 10 guys in the top 50. I mean, you have more darts to throw at the board in right. theory, but this is where it's best of five. So the other theory is, you know, it's going to even out over the consistency of a best of five match to actually win a major. Right. I love the depth of the game. I think it was Riley Opelka that said, kind of foreshadowed this, like, We've got depth, like the general public doesn't know, but we don't necessarily have the world beaters. Maybe they do, and maybe some of these young players, whether it's you know the, the Sebi Cordes or the Ben Shelton's coming up, it's going to take a lot of development. But I mean, Al- Alcaraz is an outlier, and it's just right. a special talent. But what what would you take? Uh, you know, Kennan is the last American major. What would you take? Corda uh, putting together seven amazing sets of tennis and winning a major, <laughs> or you know, it's sort of like balancing yeah, the portfolio. Yeah. Would you rather have one I unicorn know. stock or a solid growth? I, I just, yeah. I just don't know if to the and we see this in the ESPN broadcast. I mm-hmm. see it sort of even on social media chatter. Is Ben Shelton popping through? Is all of this volume, but no player in the top five, is that breaking through? I don't know the answer, but I do think it's a different. I think we could have a conversation. Yeah. Would you rather be Norway? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or with guy yeah. getting to finals, right. or would you rather have the the depth and the volume that the U.S. has? Sheldon's just a fascinating player to me because, I mean, this is all new. He hadn't even left the country, which we've been over. But the fact that he has such a great serve, and, and you could see it, right? There's so much room to grow. Now, whether he gets to a level is a huge task, and he may very well not, but... There is a lot of growth in the fact that he got this far on a lot of raw tennis and raw athleticism is pretty special. Short of winning the title, yeah. it's kind of the perfect event for him. He goes down to Australia. Had he left the country? I'm not sure about that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's, that's, this has become like Justine <laughs> gotcha. Hannon in the swimming pool. Yeah, like you Ryan can't Fitzpatrick ma- went to Harvard. Yeah, yeah I heard that things. once. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so it, uh, no, he, uh, yeah. he leaves the country for the first time. He goes to Australia. He leaves in the top 50. He knows his body can withstand best of five tennis. He had all sorts of different wins against different opponents, fellow Americans. Mm. He played an Aussie in Australia. Um, but he also knows that there's room to improve mm-hmm. on. And you saw there were some lapses against Tommy Paul. I think his service return is an area where he could improve. Mm-hmm. It's not as though he leaves saying like, oh, I've got this tennis thing mastered. This is going to be easy. I think mm-hmm. it's, you ought to be really happy. He'll get in. You know, he won't have to qualify for events yeah. now. He's made some money. Half, uh, we hear a lot about his dad. <laughs> he is half Indiana, I'll have you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah he, he comes uh, from from is on the mother side from Indiana tennis royalty. So, you know, there's work ethic in a measured disposition, but no, I mean, I think he leaves, he's got to be thrilled. He's made some money. He's in the top 50, but he also knows like there's some levels here. I still need to surmount. 
he is a uh, another example for parents out there. Don't have to specialize sports with your kids. He was a, f- yeah, he was exactly. he was a football player, right. and he and he didn't even want to follow in his dad's footsteps till later, and it panned out. So I'm happy Good to point. see happy to see what he does. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of '90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. More with John Wertheim here on Tennis Channel Inside In, talking Australian Open, the other men's semifinal. Stefano Sitsipas, Karen Hatchinoff, starting with Sitsipas. The mental state is always discussed, debated, and intensified. I want to start with some facts, and it's six main draws in his career in the Australian Open, and he's made the semis four times. So say what you want about Sitsipas. He's embraced the home slam, so much Greek support. He gets it done in Australia, and he makes deep runs, and the mental state looks pretty fine so far. Uh, why do you suppose that is? We were talking, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, the obvious, well, the Greek yeah. crowd in Melbourne is the biggest Greek population outside of Athens. I mean, I think some of it is the courts. I think some of it is just sort of the vibe of Australia seems to suit him. I think he takes a proper off season too. Like he's a guy that I think trains yeah, and point. comes in fresh and he just has found comfort here. I mean, maybe, maybe it's just, you know, not so much the home slam, but just the environment, the time and the schedule. He looks good. And the fact that he's able to, Continue to play good in front was the other thing. And we talk about players that dig deep and come back. Sitsipas gets a lead and kind of puts it on ice. He had one hour of sort of patchy tennis against Sinner. Mm -hmm. When he was up two sets to love, had some opportunities, let Sinner push that to a fifth set. Outside of that, he is cruised. So apart from winning, I mean, I don't know, this is going before the semis, right? Yeah. So, you know, apart from winning five (laughs) matches, he's, uh, he hasn't had to invest a lot of, emotional capital either these have been some really crisp smooth apart from that one five setter and even that he was up two sets to love apart from that it's been breezy would it be fair in your mind to say and i don't mean this you know begrudgingly he's just a different kind of guy different cat different cat (laughs) um yeah so i think that might actually help him in certain sense that he's bold that he's got that you know swagger braggadocious behavior that when it's on i mean obviously it can go the other direction but Especially if the task at the end result is playing Novak Djokovic. Like, in your mind, you have to believe that you even have a prayer and you have to kind of suspend reality. And I think, I don't know, maybe that might help him a little bit. Yeah, I just, I think he's a really hard player for us all to gauge. (laughs) And in some ways, you love Mm -hmm. the fresh take and you follow him on social media and there's no one like him. Good looking guy and he's pretty. And then there's some other things, whether it's the insistence on not cutting ties with pops or mm-hmm. whether it's the Wimbledon outburst, then he sort of has these strange, um, I don't even want to say lapses, but just they're, they're, they seem out of character from what we know about him. Yeah. Um, Easily rattled would be another way because yeah. Kyrgios got completely under completely his skin. Un- and you also notice, um, no, good. seems like a mm-hmm. cool guy. Good yeah. guy. He is, those post-match interviews, <laughs> not comfortable. I mean, no. we showed him on Tennis Channel, no. he's swinging his arms. Margot and Robbie, yeah. Uh, sort of that awkward, I mean, I feel Courier handled it quite well, but those those courtside interviews, you're like, oh, I can't wait to talk to the uh, to the artist guy. And then those things go really yeah. sideways really fast. He had a moment last year in his interview, it, it might not have been with oh, Courier, yeah, where yeah. he just kind of humbly like put down his opponent and talked about how easy it was, and the crowd booed, and he didn't really know what to do. And then he do. got upset, and then he clearly was, <laughs> yeah. was rattled. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's he's an interesting cat. I mean, he's playing a semifinal against Karen Hatchinoff, who he's 5-0 and against, right. so the history is there. But Hatchinoff, quietly, and I say that, I mean, 
back-to-back hardcourt semifinals and majors. So finding his game, again, the age thing in tennis, if you come up early, you can have the ups and downs. He's still just 26. He's someone that's, I think, comfortable playing different styles in different environments. And, you know, not a villain, but even when the crowd support's not on him, he kind of stays locked in, and we saw that in some of his matches with some of the Americans. Yeah, I mean, again, another example where he... You know, he didn't even have to win his quarterfinal outright no. when when Corda retired with that wrist injury. Twenty six. I mean, it seems mm. like that this guy came. Right. <laughs> he arrived and sort of had a man's you know, he's, yeah. he's a man's yeah. man. Um, yeah. He's married. He has a kid. And then you say, wait, twenty six? That's only a year older than Tommy Paul. Mm. Um, I do think Sitsipas just has more versatility. I do think also sometimes these head to head records are a little bit of a red herring and. They're three and zero, and then you say, "Well, wait a second. They played five years ago, and they were all in clay." Kind of like Vecchio Sabalenka. The yeah, other exactly. Night, five I mean, one. Yeah, there was five and one to mm-hmm. Donna Vecchio over Sabalenka, mm-hmm. but it was not Pete no. Sabalenka, and a lot yeah. of those were different circumstances. But um, I also think at some point, some of those losses have to get in your head. Yeah, you, you beat me five times, even if it's different surfaces and different times of the year. That's something I've got to overcome. I feel like movement is kind of the key in this one and Sitsipas being such an athlete yeah. willing to go the distance and grind. And yeah, it's uh no, it's, it's across surfaces. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's all roads leading to Djokovic, but we'll see if these guys have something to say about it. I want to switch our attention to the women's side. We have a final setup at the recording of this one between Rabakina and Sabalenka, two different paths to get here. Not the names. Maybe we were expecting at the out- onset of the draw, but looking at Rabakina first, and this is where the Wimbledon points are going to come into effect. Yeah. Like, she didn't get them. She's up to 10 in the live ranking. Would be much higher, but she takes out Iga. She's going through the draw again. Ostapenko's on that list last night against Azarenka. Watching that match, John, I, I was impressed because she didn't even serve that well. But yet she dominated Azarenka's serve. So there's some versatility in Rabakina's game that I think is starting to seep out. Toughness, too. I mean, that first set could have gone to Vika very easily, and Rabakina would not lose, and then sort of rolled out the second set. Can you imagine a uh, a Wimbledon champion and, at minimum, an Australian Open finalist squeaking <laughs> into the top ten? I mean, one thing I think <laughs> yeah. we see as a legacy of this is that what a dumb decision. <laughs> mm. You know, we, we can argue whether Russians should have been banned and whether Wimbledon overstepped, but yeah. this business of withholding ranking points... Who wins here? I mean, the Australian Open already short for stars. Bandages her to court 13, which she hasn't been shy about now, sort of mm-hmm. rubbing in their face, which, you know, they bury a star player who ends up becoming a finalist. Wimbledon seems like an irrelevant title <laughs> yeah. when the defending champion doesn't get respect. And now we have yeah. this player who is two sets from winning the title and... She's barely in the top 10. And you're not just hurting them, right? You're hurting the players that won a couple matches at Wimbledon, didn't get to see the points from yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Hurting the rest of the draw. They don't want to see Rabakina lower down the right. rankings early. Exactly. She is a cool customer out there, and I feel like, you know, some might say, you know, that it's her demeanor. Like, she doesn't even throw her arms up in the air when she wins these matches, wins these titles. Right. I remember watching her play against Serena. Serena's last French Open match ever. Same thing. She beats her. Yeah, beats Serena and Roland. And just kind of ho-hum, yeah. like, this is how it goes. Um, this is what was, was supposed to happen. Did you notice the way her coach was talking to her during the match? Yeah, it was a little that, well, a little strange. Well, but uh, but I, I do wonder if there isn't some, and yeah. I don't know if this is, I don't know the mm-hmm. particulars there. It seemed a little aggressive. Um, 
I don't know if this is something that they have worked on, but no, even when she won Wimbledon, I mean, you think you're, you're doing <laughs> yeah. cartwheels in the grass, yeah. and she sort of, you thought she'd won a Tuesday match yeah. in, uh, you know, in Indianola. I want to give props to Vika for yeah. the run to the semis, you know, 10, 10 years since the last one, I think it was 2012 and 2011, I think were the years, 2012, 2013. 2013 yeah, 10 years she, ago. She uh, has been open, been an open book for, for better or for worse. She is afraid, not afraid to speak her mind, which I love. And she said, look, my tennis was kind of there. It was the mental side and, you know, has talked about having, you know, the, the mental breakdowns, mental episodes in the past, but puts it together keeps herself in tremendous form. And this run was pretty impressive because she is one of these smarter players out there tactically to give herself a better chance to win. So I was thoroughly impressed with Vika's run and putting it all together at this stage in her life. 33 years old, she's a mother. And yeah, I mean, I'm interested in her. She's really evolved personally and she talks very openly. She's very into the mental side. She's mm -hmm. honestly, she's very into sort of media interactions and how sort of projecting mm -hmm. image yeah. and social media versus conventional media. She's really emerged as this kind of wise figure. And that's not, you know, that's, that, that wasn't a reputation when she won this a decade ago. And she's very open about how she needed to evolve. And uh, it's really a nice story. And she's still playing high-level tennis. I mean, she's, she's right in there in the right. semifinal. I mean, I, I'm sure she's disappointed she didn't quite pull through. But, you know, this is... 10 years after her last title to be yeah. playing like this is pretty impressive. I've noticed too with her, she's done a great job, you know, moving on from losses, which doesn't sound yeah. like much, but she's had some tough defeats, lopsided defeats, big match results, and doesn't go into this funk for months after, which we've seen on both sides of the tour. Yeah, I, that's, that's yeah. a really good point that um, there there is really sort of a, there, there's intensity, but also kind of a mm -hmm. measured wise approach. Yeah. And uh, no, she's, she's really... Sort of, she she's evolved, and it's a nice it's a nice tennis story. So the other semifinal was Sabalenka beating Magdalenette makes that improbable run to the semi. Uh, and and watching the TC live coverage or the TC coverage, I heard the gem by Paul Anakin where he said, "Look, this match is more likely going to be about what Sabalenka does or doesn't do, or how she plays." Yeah. And this Aussie Open, I mean, this really run down down to Australia where she's you know ten and zero on the year, hasn't dropped a set, and has mastered at least for the time being, because you never know, the double fault issue. I think I think she's somebody that we always question because the physical gifts are just insane. Like there's nobody that hits the ball like her, no one that matches her size, moves at, a, at well. a decent enough level yeah. to combat that. But no, she's she's done a good job. I think for the serve aspect, John, she's realizing that she doesn't have to go for as much with the rest right. of her game. And also, um, I mean, I think Lindsay mentioned this on the show. She has done everything in her power to get to this level. They're mm -hmm. biomechanics expert. They're sports psychology. She's had coaching changes. This is not someone who sort of passively have said, oh, shit, my serves like gone off the rails and maybe I'll get mm -hmm. it back. Maybe I won't. I, I also think that, um, you know, yesterday she's, she's 0-3 in semis in, at majors. And she plays yesterday against an opponent mm -hmm. who, you know, honestly, she's, you know, 31 years old, she's never been here before, overwhelming favorite. That could have been a really brutal loss, as it was. Yeah. Gee, the, the player expected yeah. to win one. I mean, we, we always talk about all the pressures on the other side mm -hmm. of the net, but that's that's a different kind of pressure than she was used to facing in semifinals yeah. with that track record. I give her a lot of credit for pulling through yesterday. And, yeah, I mean, I think she has discovered some cushion, and some yeah. of that is not going for quite as much on the serve. I mean, she still blasts the ball. Yeah. I mean, her forehand <laughs> speeds are right up there with, the dudes, <laughs> yeah. um, but it seems like there is their gears built into her game that maybe yeah. weren't always there. 
all three semi losses were brutal losses too. Like not that she got outplayed, but yeah, just, exactly. just like soul crushing. Show, yeah. U.S. It, Open yeah. when Raducanu won. Oh, yeah. that was a, yeah. And uh, she's, you know, I love the shout out to her genetics last night in her interview. She just, you know, has to give credit where credit's due. Right. For better or for worse, I always felt like Sad Blank, like she wears her emotions on her sleeve. She is who she is. I mean, there's levels to that, right? We, I mean, Ostapenko's kind of like that and can kind of go off the deep end a little bit too. But I, I love the fact that she addressed her main weakness. It was her serve. And she didn't try to just power through it and just get through it. She sat outside counsel. And it's helped, and she's someone that's felt like, I mean, I think you would agree that in the last couple of years, we're like, this feels like a major champion. Like, it would be a shame if she went yeah. her career without getting one. Um, I would never say uh, that I picked her to win, but I okay. win. All right. um, No, I go. mean, I think, I think there is a sense, and I think you're right, a lot of it's how she's responded to these yips. I mean, we've seen this. This has been not just in tennis. I mean, we've seen this in other sports. Mm. This sort of mental block can yeah. be a career killer. Yeah. And she sort of had this weird thing where on the one hand, she's kind of joked about it and she served underhand. And she's, you know, last year when she was struggling with this, she would roll her eyes and play to the crowd, but then she addressed it. And to get back to what you do, I think what did you have, three double faults, I think in her last match, I mean, yeah. she would have that in a game a year ago. What was it like 400 or so last year? It was a, it was a record that will probably was, never uh, be broken. Six in one game. Yeah. But she, she set the record in double faults in a season and was still right. a top five player, which is, insane. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. More with John Wertheim. A couple more things here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Uh, the players that got to a point and didn't go any further, I, I do want to mention, you know, Magdalenette, give her props for her run to the semifinal. I hope she can build on it, but we know how tennis works, and we know the track record of it might not get better than this, but I'd love to be proven wrong, so <laughs> that's where I'm at there. Um yeah, I think that's pretty yeah, good. It's this pretty this might be one of these, hey, yeah. surprise semifinalist, or you know. Do you think we? Do you think we? I mean, we can kind of get into the bigger picture of it, but do you think we need to, I guess, distinguish between threats and majors and threats in some of these non-major events? Because I've I've noticed the trend that some of the players that have performed well at non-major events, maybe it's the pressure, maybe it's the moment. There's there was a couple top seeds like we kind of see that just seem to get to their level and then peter out. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple of things. One, there's, I mean, who's, who's that just, oh, Be, uh, Beatrice, uh, had Ed Maya, had, yeah. had Ed Maya who yeah. can barely win a match at a major and mm. still has his top 15 ranking. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think the other thing is what we're going to realize is that we throw around these numbers <laughs> with the grades and Hey, Novak's playing in his 44th major <laughs> semi and at all 900 weeks. Yeah. And it sounds like, but you don't stop to sort of really pull back and think about that and say, wait, <laughs> yeah. Novak's been to 44 Semifinals. It's like when Federer made ten straight major. Yeah, finals. exactly. Ten like, straight major finals. Doing? But what we realize <laughs> is that just pick your name out of a hat. I mean, mm -hmm. whether it's Dominic Team right. or Garbina Muguruza, I mean, that's a normal career. Sometimes you have it. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you lose in the early rounds. Yeah. These standards that the big three plus Serena mm -hmm. have set, are, and I even Andy Murray to some extent was at least at full health was sort of this reliable quarterfinalist, semifinalist. Mm -hmm. um, that sort of reliability, we're not going to see again. They're they're the no. crazy ones. They're the outliers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not 
how comes Vera yeah. is losing hey. in week one? Macro, Agassi, those guys lost first round at majors in what you would call yeah, exactly. like their career run. Exactly. So I, I think too with like Iga, she, she loses to Rabakina and we, we demand more because we're comparing her to these uncomparable standards of Serena, of these all-time greats. She lost to a tough opponent, played a great match, you know, in round four. Right. The reset's coming. I mean, there, there might be the pressure of the Encore Act. 2022 is just a remarkable year. So I am, I'm intrigued to see how she compares to last year's self and if she can handle the expectations of being, you know, compared to that. Right. And you also don't know how these losses, you know, if Rabakina wins a tournament, that doesn't say they're losing <laughs> yeah. four and four in mm-hmm. a tight match. Yeah. Not, not so bad. Um, I mean, I think some, you know, some losses age better than others. You know, Sebastian Corda had match point mm. in Australia against Novak Djokovic. You know, he wishes he'd closed, but mm. that's a grist. This guy's <laughs> beating Andre Rublev like he's a junior yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think also with, with Iga, I think some of these losses uh, might age better than others. Do you feel like there was a missed opportunity for some of the players like a, like a Jesse Pagula, oh, like yeah. a Coco Goff, who, you know, yeah. I mean, even Garcia was another one who came in with a lot of momentum. But Pagula, it felt like it was a moment, a chance. The draw opened up. And even someone like Pliskova, who made the quarterfinals and doesn't have a major, you never know. There's nothing guaranteed. There was opportunity here that was unfortunately lost. Right. And, you know, I mean, Coco, I would add to that list, too. Mm-hmm. Coco should not be losing Ostapenko in straight sets. No. Um, but she's 18. And she'll have plenty more opportunities. I, I am curious, sort of Jesse Pagula was high, high road and very gracious in defeat. Mm. I wonder if you gave her true serum how mm. much this one stings. I mean, she was the highest remaining seed. Everything had sort of opened up for her. She'd beaten Eagle already this year. It really... The fact that there weren't momentum changes in that match was disheartening. Like, yeah. if you lose to Vika, okay, right. Vika's a champion, I get that. But Vika took the fight to her. It was a great strategy. But then that was it. Like, yeah, there was no counterpunch. That, that, that second set was not... Yeah. Um, yeah. With, with Coco, I just love her game, wanted to be, you know, a champion, face of tennis, all that stuff. I wanted to work on her forehand, and I know I'm speaking from the clouds here, but it seems like the same things happen in these matches. Yeah, it's funny, though. I mean, sometimes, and even you look at the stat sheet, yeah. and, well, looks looks pretty yeah. clean, but then I also think that um, other players are getting hip to that. I mean, you saw how Ostapenko... Played strategically. It was like Iga Formel, right? Like Iga in the French Open. It yeah, was a master exactly. class of how to how to attack it, it apart. Exactly. And it's a it's a I guess a good problem to have in the sense that it takes a top player and they're having a game plan for you. And it's Coco has been consistent in winning you know a couple matches each major. But yeah, this was an opportunity for a lot of players. And now it's going to be Sabalenka and Rabakina. Right. Rabakina going for her second major. We'd have two women having all four slams. So it would be something to kind of think about. Yeah, right. We'd have two, two, <laughs> yeah. two for Iga and two for Ibaka. Yeah. yeah, very good. If Sabalenka gets it, I think it could, though, open up the dam of pressures, kind of got the major, you know. Right. And I, I think um, she's playing with that. I mean, I, yeah. I'd say she's probably the best player never to have won a major. Well, the, the last thing on the Aussie Open, I just want to make sure that we haven't scared tennis players away from doing media with the Netflix thing that they're just not going to want to do anything because they all oh, lost early. I thought you were going to say the opposite. I thought you were going to say they, they love press conferences. <laughs> That's true. And, press uh, conferences are okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we joke about that. We hope there is another season. We're eager to see the next five episodes. Mm-hmm. My, my old man gripe, <laughs> not a great look for tennis with all these injuries, right? No. So Felix loses, Felix loses. There are 128 players. Not everyone plays to their potential. Yeah. Like that I get. What I'm a little more concerned about is – 
you know, Bedosa out, yeah. Isla out, Nick Curious in surgery, uh, yeah. Alcaraz not in the draw. It's the first major of the year, yeah. and I don't. I mean, it's it's sports, it's physical. Injuries are part of the drill. There's a trainer, you know, there's a whole training mm-hmm. staff. But what is tennis not doing right? If other sports had this kind of an injury problem, where first I, week of the NBA, half the All Stars were uh-huh. injured. Do you think? And this is. I'm glad you brought this up. Everyone talks about the season length, how long everything is, and, and I get it. Brutally long season, injuries, not enough time. On the flip side, I want to ask you, players are still taking the exhibitions because of the money. So what if, if the season got shorter, in theory, right. would there be more exhibitions and more players? Like Kyrgios, you said at the beginning of this, took an exhibition match on a bad meniscus. I, I saw Kyrgios in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I should say this. Well, he went no, it's out I there. He was, I saw he was him playing. In Riyadh, I saw him in Riyadh, yeah. and he was basically asked why he was there, and he said the money. He played doubles with Sissipas, um, so that should tell everybody what that was all about. The uh, No, I mean, in theory, maybe the players get more money mm-hmm. out of the big events and the yeah. majors and the Master Series, and they don't mm. have to go yeah. across oceans in November or December. I think the injuries are a, are a huge thing. Uh, we hope everyone gets healthy, but it's uh, it's just you know it's part of the part of the occupational hazard at this point. But I'm excited to see the Aussie Open 2023 season is off and running. Uh, John Wertheim, thanks for joining Tennis Channel Inside In. You're more than gracious with your time. Always good to see you. My only gripe is next year or whatever your next Hall of Fame is. I want to be there. So I wasn't at the last one. I'm going to try to get there, get on the list next uh, time. Anyone that <laughs> does a podcast and gets breaking away and is good in my right. no pleasure. Thanks. Thanks you again. That's it for this episode of Tennis Channel Inside In. A huge thanks to John Wertheim for appearing on the show. A broadcasting titan, if ever there was one. It's always a blast to talk to him. Catch him on TC Live, All Australian Open. And check him out on 60 Minutes and on Sports Illustrating, writing outstanding columns there. The Tennis Channel Inside In podcast is on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com slash podcast to find it, as well as streaming on all your podcast platforms, Apple, SoundCloud, Google Play, We are everywhere podcasts are found. Thanks again to John Wertheim. Thanks again to everybody out there for listening. We're back next week to recap the Australian Open to see who claims the crowns down in Melbourne. Can't wait to find out. For John Wertheim, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.